0: Hello and welcome to Between the Liars with Ryan for another episode of Bill Me, where I read the legislation and we dive right into it so that you don't have to keep up with that if you don't want to. All right, today we're going to talk about H.R. 1808, properly known as the assault weapons ban of 2021. So that's what we're going to be getting into, and make sure you join us later this evening at 9 p.m., We're going to be going live with Chris from the Alt-Left Podcast and TJ Roberts, our resident (laughs) non-lawyer. So we're going to talk specifically about this in depth, and we're also going uh, to dive into red flag laws, amongst other things. So make sure that you don't miss out on that. Remember that if you haven't already, to like and subscribe to our channel and follow us at Between the Liars. Today is Tuesday. We are going live on random days of the week. So if you'd like to keep up with us, social media is the best way to do that. You can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram, and you can find us on Twitter at Between the Liars. So let's just go ahead and start with the summary of this bill, and then we're going to get into my media ratings and my efficacy ratings at the end, so be sure to stick around for that. Alright, so in essence, what this bill for the US House of Representatives is attempting to do is it's trying to make it a crime to knowingly import, sell, manufacture, transfer, or possess a semi-automatic assault weapon or large capacity ammunition feeding device. If I remember correctly, they define that as like more than 10 rounds down the road. This bill's kind of all over the place. They very specifically name all of the weapons that are going to be illegal in effect to to buy and potentially even possess, depending on how this gets tweaked out but the initial claim right now is you can be quote-unquote grandfathered in if you already had one everything else being manufactured presumably after this date would have to be stamped um, with the manufactured date so that they know if you're in possession of it you're in violation of the law it would also exempt from the prohibition the following um, it would the it would Exempt the importation sale, manufacture, transfer, possession uh, related to certain law enforcement efforts or authorized tests or experiments. The same for possession related to securing nuclear materials and possession by a retired law enforcement officer. So it seems like that is the one exception that they will be making. All right, let's go ahead and I am going to share this screen. I'm going to pull it up so you can get... Front and center. All right, 1808. These are all the House of Representatives that have signed on to the bill. Do remember that even if this passes the House, which it is controlled by the Democrats, the Democrats have proposed this bill, it's going to pass unless they can't get their stuff together before the midterms and then they... Get swept. So that, that would be about the only reason that I could see this not being passed, but it would still have to pass the Senate. I realistically highly doubt that would be the case. Okay, a bill to regulate assault weapons to ensure that the right to keep and bear arms is not unlimited. God, that language bothers me. And for other purposes. Again, language that bothers me. It's very ambiguous and also the fact that it it cuts directly against the nature of the Constitution. Shall not be infringed. Here they're saying it's not unlimited. Being enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled, Section 1, this act may be cited as the Assault Weapons Ban of 2021. And then they redefine some of the definitions from previous legislation. It shall be amended by inserting after paragraph 29 the following. The term semi-automatic pistol shall mean anything Uh, Any repeating pistol that, A, utilizes a portion of the energy of a firing cartridge to extract the fired cartridge case and chamber the next round. Pretty straightforward. Think of a 9mm or even AR-style weapon. The inertia kicks out the shell, loads your next shell. Unlike an automatic weapon where holding down the trigger will just unleash the ammunition until you are out of bullets. When it comes to a semi-automatic, you must pull the trigger each and every time, but it does it pretty quick. Um, Let's see here. B requires a separate pull of the trigger to fire each cartridge. The term semi-automatic shotgun means any repeating shotgun that utilizes a portion of the energy of a firing cartridge to extract the fired cartridge case and chamber the next round. Same concept. And B requires a separate pull of the trigger to fire each cartridge and shall also be amended by adding at the end the following. The term semi automatic assault weapon means any of the following, regardless of country, of manufacturer, or caliber of ammunition accepted. A. A semi automatic rifle that, number one, has a magazine that is not fixed. Hit the button, magazine drops out. Two, does have any one of the following either one, a pistol grip, two, a forward grip, three, a folding, telescoping, or detachable stock, or is otherwise foldable or adjustable in a manner that operates to reduce the length size, or any other dimension, or otherwise enhances the concealability of the weapon. Now realistically, on a practical level, if you're not a part of the shooting community, the reason that that stock adjusts, yes, that means you can conceal it, but on a practical level, there are people who use these weapons and compete with these weapons, whether they use it for hunting or self-defense or just for recreational purposes. The stock being adjustable means you can adjust it for, let's say myself versus someone who's significantly smaller than me. It allows you to adjust for the body size because you're not going to have the same reach, shoulder, to hand, to cheek. And so you're trying to make that comfortable and accurate for the person. That is the designated purpose of that collapsible stock, in case you didn't know. Okay, here's part B. A semi-automatic rifle that has a fixed magazine with the capacity to accept more than 10 rounds. So if you have an AR-style weapon, AK-style weapon, semi-automatic in any capacity, and the magazine can drop out... It's going to be a problem under this bill, and if it is a fixed magazine but it is more than 10 rounds, it's also going to be a problem. You'd also be in trouble if any part, combination of parts, component, device, attachment, or accessory that is designed or functions to accelerate the rate of fire of a semi-automatic firearm but not convert the semi-automatic firearm into a machine gun that would pretty much be a bump stock. So remember that that under the Trump administration, if I remember correctly, those were outlawed or at least greatly restricted, which is basically it's a stock that when you pull the trigger, it helps use the inertia. The stock just kind of has a little bit of give so that in, instead of just having to pull with your finger, you can just work with the entire weapon. See any part, combination of parts, component, device, attachment, accessory. Uh, okay, we, sorry, we already read that. D, a semi-automatic pistol that Has a magazine that is not a fixed magazine and does have any one of the following. A threaded barrel, a second pistol pistol grip, a barrel shroud, the capacity to accept a detachable magazine at some location outside of the pistol grip, a semi-automatic version of an automatic firearm, a manufactured weight of 50 ounces or more when unloaded, and a stabilizing brace or similar component." E, a semi-automatic pistol with a fixed magazine that has the capacity to accept more than 10 rounds. F, semi-automatic shotgun that has the capacity to utilize a magazine that is not a fixed magazine and does have any one of the following components. Number one, a folding, telescoping, or detachable stock. Number two, a pistol grip or bird's head grip. Number three, a fixed magazine with the capacity to accept more than five rounds. And number four, the ability to accept a detachable magazine. Number five, a forward grip. Number six, a grenade launcher. G, any shotgun with a revolving cylinder. H, all of the following rifles, copies, duplicates, variants, or altered facsimiles with the capacity of any such weapons thereof. And then what they do is they go on to list, and I'm not going to read all of these. It's basically all-encompassing. What they have here is basically every type of AR-style, AK-style, semi-automatic rifle. And then if we continue to scroll down, what you'll see is I keep going through, and I will link this below, so feel free uh, to check this out later if you're interested but they basically do this for the pistols they do this for the rifles and they do this for the shotguns and they say that all of these are going to be outlawed and then what they do is they flip the script and they say these are the ones that are not going to be affected and then they list them again so this is a pretty straight forward bill as far as what they're trying to do i think a lot of the question is going to be what people's thoughts are on this not so much what will this bill do they're actually very clear you know that when i go over this legislation i have a huge gripe first and foremost when it tends to be vague this is the opposite of vague it's 126 pages outlining and specifying which weapons will be allowed and which will not All right, let's check out this section here. Section 3, Restrictions on Assault Weapons and Large Capacity Ammunition-Feeding Devices. Section 922 of Title 18 of the United States Code is going to be amended to say it shall be unlawful for a person to import, sell, manufacture, transfer, or possess in or affecting interstate or foreign commerce a semi-automatic assault weapon. And they basically use that language multiple times over. They use it for pistols, they use it for rifles, and they use it for shotguns. Now what is unclear, uh, and we're gonna pull up a short clip um, in a second here of of the hearing. And uh, I will also link that below. I think it's like four to six hours in length. It's like the entire thing on PBS. So I would encourage you watch these hearings and figure out what your senators are talking about. I think that their discussion leads me to question whether or not people will truly be grandfathered in in the case of grandfathering in because grandfathering in would usually mean you can keep and you can use your weapons. But one of the senators, and I will play the clip here in just a moment, he says that the purpose of this bill is to basically outlaw guns that are in common use. He doesn't want them to be able to use these weapons. So in its current form of the bill, it seems that the letter of the law will state that you can own and probably use. What I know you can't do is you cannot sell them to someone else, and you certainly cannot purchase them. You can't purchase them from your buddy, which... So if you remember the last legislation that was passed, uh, the bipartisan gun control bill that was signed by President Biden like a month and a half ago, that you can't do straw purchases. So I couldn't purchase something for my child or for my wife. Like it's pretty much if you're going to own the gun, you have to have purchased the gun. And they're not going to allow that transfer to take place. And if it is going to take place, cannot take place without the government entity being involved. So if Frank wants to let Joe buy his weapon, you got to do it through a licensed manufacturer. It's not that no one can purchase his weapon, but you can't do the direct sale. All right, we're going to skip on down. Um, I think I've pretty much covered all of this. A lot of it is redundant. It's very much just very clearly outlining the weapons that they don't want. These are the firearms, again, down on page 26, that are exempted. And they talk about a lot of, uh, I shot competitively with trap. We use a lot of browning, we use a lot of Benelli, we use a lot of, uh, Beretta weapons, and a lot of those are going to be semi-automatic, and they're basically outlining here that those will still be allowed. In part, it's because they don't have a detachable magazine, it's just, you feed them straight into the chamber, they usually hold 5 to 6 max. Some of the Benellis will hold up to 10, though, so it really just depends see a very long list of weapons that will still be allowed any of like the scorpion style like and and think of anything that's like call of duty style they will not um, allow those to be used now if you have a semi-automatic shotgun like a more tactical style shotgun presumably those will still be allowed because it only has a semi-automatic portion it doesn't have the detachable magazine and like as long as your stock doesn't collapse and it doesn't fold, etc., then it would still be legal. But if you had an AR-style stock on it where it does collapse or fold back, like on the AK-style, you're not going to be allowed to purchase those anymore. Again, it is up in the air whether or not they will actually be allowed to use their weapons. It'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. But that that is the extent of this bill. I'm not reading 126 pages. If you're interested, please, I encourage you, go look at it. What I am going to show you in just a second here is we're going to take a look at the uh, congressional hearing because I think as I get into um, my ratings and the questions that I think we should be asking ourselves about this legislation and then the watch list that we're placing the government on, then I think that this is going to be very, very important for us to have as actual videoed evidence that this would be a statement that was made by a sitting member of Congress who has sworn to uphold the Constitution. Would anyone on the other side dispute that this bill would ban weapons that are in common use in the United States today? Would the gentleman yield? I would for an answer to that question. Yeah, that's the point of the bill. So, so, you mean you? So, to clarify, Mr. Chairman, you're saying it is the point of the bill to ban weapons that are in common use in the United States today. Yes, the problem uh, is with the gentleman will yield, particularly dangerous weapons that are responsible for mass shootings well, I, and the I didn't loss yield to you, of- Mr. Cicilline. Yet. Okay, so you get the point. I'm going to paste this link it below. If you're listening to the audio only only version of this episode, then you'll also be able uh, to see. Uh, Those linked in the description, but here's what I want to get at as we're about to talk about some of the questions that we should be asking ourselves He mentioned weapons that are used the most in school shootings in mass shootings, etc And I'm also going to link a peer-reviewed paper that I found that talks about the fact that basically on a two-to-one, so like the the overwhelming majority of mass shootings that take place, take place with handguns. If we actually look at all of the data and not the ones that just happen to make the the news. Most recently, the ones that have made the news have been AR-style weapons, but most of the shootings and most of the deaths come at the hands of handguns. So what they're stating here and what they're trying to to claim as their causal reasoning for this legislation is that they want to try to stop mass shootings but they're not actually banning the weapons that are most directly linked to that and that's going to be a discussion that we have later tonight 9 p.m central with chris from the alt-left podcast and also tj roberts be sure to tune into that and i'm also going to link that I think it's this side, (laughs) right above me here, uh, later. So if you're watching this not live, then these two episodes will be interlinked so that you have all of the resources at your disposals. So just think about that. If they're going to claim a societal good, any legislation, especially on the speech and debate circuit, like college students, when they propose a change in a debate round, they need to make a direct connection. We think this is a harm or a problem in the status quo and we want to do this and we will see presumably this good take place but there's a massive disconnect if this is the legislation they're proposing and that's the actual data of the claim so let's talk about uh my ratings here legislation efficacy i'm going to do like a two out of five i give it a two because i would say that if they're trying to just ban these weapons could be pretty effective in doing so but if we actually give them the benefit of the doubt here and we believe that their reason for this is to try and lower mass shootings i don't think it's going to have that result i think again i continue to point out during these gun control debates you must look at gun crime and crime in general as an ecosystem of course when we like Uh, significantly reduce access to firearms, presumably you would see fewer deaths at the hands of firearms. But the ecosystem of crime as a whole tends to go up. We see this in other countries. We see this in Australia. uh, We see this in Great Britain. Um, Any country that has either severely restricted or completely outlawed firearms still sees an increase in crimes. You see an increase in muggings. You see an increase in stabbings. You see an increase in assaults. You just don't see an increase in gun deaths. So, that is something that is very important to think about, that's why I give this a 2 out of 5. Media accuracy, I'll give it a 5. I haven't seen anything to believe that they're being deliberately disingenuous. I think that as always, media has their bias, on all levels, and... Both ways. And I also think that they've just kind of talked about this as is. (laughs) I would reduce the score if I thought that they were maliciously trying to reduce the amount of traffic that can go to what I'm about to post uh, and you're about to have access to through PBS NewsHour of the recorded sessions of Congress. Because I think these discussions over the legislation by your legislators is incredibly important to have access to. Unfortunately, I think and, and, and I think the evidence would demonstrate this. People who are very invested in this are either already lobbying against gun control because they think that the any infringement on the Second Amendment is unconstitutional by definition, or there are people who say, we don't really care, it's a societal good, so we're going to vote this way anyway. But you've got a very broad gap down the center there of people who just aren't really paying attention with this. And so when this is not a frontline media story then I think that it tends to get buried and lost. So if you didn't know, hopefully this sheds a little bit of light on this. This is what the House is attempting to pass. I would be shocked if it didn't pass. Okay, here are the questions, and now this is shifting more into a little bit of my opinion, but I just am throwing these out here as questions that I ask myself when I'm thinking about what is going on in legislation, and you might find them to be beneficial to yourself as well. Number one ask yourself, will this legislation or any legislation reduce the amount of school shootings? And I think that um, we're going to talk a lot about this later tonight, and I'm sure this debate will rage on so long as this is a topic, so forever and ever, Uh, but studies show that gun crime actually goes up when we have these restrictions. If we actually look at all the data, and I will post those sources below as well, um, but also even when we had the last assault weapons ban, in 2010, the gun crime at that point had already severely tapered off, and then as we started, you know- having, or it it I believe it had reached its peak, I gotta check this because I might be having this backwards, but it started tapering off when we started allowing people to have the assault weapons back. Now again, I'm not saying that that's the reason that it dipped off, but I am saying that if the claim is being made right now that we're getting rid of and banning assault weapons lowers crime, and we didn't see a massive spike in crime, when these came back on a longitudinal or like long-term basis, then I don't know that I would answer that with a yes, that it will reduce school shootings or will even reduce the amount of gun deaths, gun violence, or crime in general. Number two, I think that we should ask why are they banning these particular weapons? They were very specific. And I would also, I, I certainly don't want this done, but I would say that if they really wanted to hit and tackle mass shootings and school shootings, you should be banning handguns. And so the question remains then, why these specific weapons? And if I had to give an answer, this is what I would say. I think it's because these are the weapons that look the most scary. They look military style. They are the civilian version of military style weapons. But like, again, assault weapons is not actually a term. It was a term that was coined by politicians who were in favor of gun control. It's not an assault weapon because the true definition of assault weapon has to be automatic. No normal citizen can purchase one of those, own one of those, or use one of those. You have to go through an extensive background check, you have to be checked by the FBI, federal governments, you're fingerprinted, and then you basically have to pay a special tax stamp so that you can possess and you can use one of those weapons. So, assault weapons are not widely used, but they've shifted that definition. So why these weapons? Again, I think it's because uh, they think that, you know, they can get people on board with these. Again, I think that the argument stands, why do you need an AR-style weapon? Why do you need an AK-style weapon? Why do you need a quote-unquote assault-style weapon? And we're going to get into this later again tonight, and follow the links for this follow-up conversation if you'd like a deeper discussion on this. But I really think that what we see from the pro uh, const- uh, the pro constitutional side shall not be infringed, they would say anything here is going to be a violation of the Constitution, especially with the recent rulings. So, for example, I believe it was Heller. TG will know more about this later tonight. But Heller basically says that you have a right, an individual right, to own, to use, for the purposes of lawful self defense, a firearm. And it also, in a follow-up Supreme Court decision, they said that, you know, basically, you get to be able to use these weapons for self-defense. So, you can't really use that as your reasoning there, I don't think. Um, or at least Congress shouldn't be. And yet they are. So, I would ask yourself, does that bother you? Right? Because midterms are coming up. If it does bother you, vote them out. If it doesn't, continue to vote for them. I would ask, is this an arbitrary ban? And I say arbitrary, meaning it doesn't really do anything of value. So for example, magazines, 10 plus, uh, forward grips, collapsible stocks, what makes those things dangerous? Now the argument for 30 round magazines, let's say, is that you don't have to reload. Okay, well, that usually they're carrying, if they're going to break the law and they already don't give a crap that they're breaking the law and they're murdering people, I think we're well past that at that point. Historically, they're carrying multiple weapons, multiple magazines, like it doesn't really matter and you don't significantly reduce the carnage that's done. So then it seems to me to be arbitrary. But ask yourself, do you think that it's an arbitrary ban? Uh, I would also ask, why does Congress get to ban these? Like what gives them the right and the power to do so? Of course, they can craft whatever laws they want. But then it is the job of the third branch of government, the Supreme Court, to determine whether or not that law is constitutional. Again, I wouldn't just ask why does Congress get to ban them because you can make the authority argument and say, well, because they're Congress they get to. But what is their reasoning behind that? Again, go back to the first question here. If it's not reducing school shootings and mass shootings, which I don't think that they've demonstrated that connection strong enough um, and there's not enough data to demonstrate that, then again, why? Uh, Fourth question here. Is this constitutional? We're going to dive right into that tonight. Um, But recent Supreme Court decisions would say absolutely not, especially with the Bruin case that we covered, and I'll link that right here as well, um, where the Supreme Court basically said that you, as a state, cannot significantly and arbitrarily restrict an individual's right to carry a weapon. New York basically said, yeah, you can own a firearm, but you can't transport it, you can't use it, you need a specific permit that is granted to you by us, and we kind of just give those to people that, you know, we like, that we're friends with, otherwise you get tied up forever and you never get one, and they said no that's an infringement. So I think that those types of rulings would demonstrate the Supreme Court will probably not look too fondly on this, again, assuming it were to pass the Senate. Uh, Text of the Second Amendment, again, says no, if you read it at face value, shall not be infringed. Pretty straightforward. Well-regulated militia. The original intent behind that was that we, the people, are to be the standing army. There wasn't supposed to be a standing army. It was supposed to be a well-regulated militia, and you were supposed to have Guns of the caliber of equal to and, you know, up to the point of battleships, cannons, etc. Like whatever the max power of the federal government. Last question here. Should we allow Congress to pass unconstitutional, assuming you think that that's the case, legislation because we think it will make society safer? So bear with me for a second here. Let's say for the argument's sake, this is unconstitutional. The argument that they're reverting to in a good chunk Oh, I was wrong. It's 11 hours. (laughs) I said six. 11 hours of footage is basically any of the Democrats in favor of this bill said, well, we can argue a societal good. and I don't think that they can, but let's say that they could. Let's say that they could and let's say that for argument's sake, it's unconstitutional. Should we stand for that? Uh, Because I think, and this is my, again, personal opinion interjected here. I think that we create a very slippery slope allowing the government to arbitrarily infringe on the Second Amendment. You give them an inch, they take a mile. And that is my opinion on government. And there are plenty of people, including people on this show, who disagree with me on that. But I would ask yourself, because it it affects the way that you vote in the midterms here and in next election, do you want sitting congressional members who, in their own words, don't give a damn about the Constitution? Because the last... Supreme Court decision that was made uh, before the Bruin one, when it came to a major landmark Second Amendment case, said that if weapons are in common use, then you can't ban them. So that would mean 9 millimeters cannot be banned, that would mean ARs, AKs, cannot be banned according to that, and they said, that's the point, we want to ban common use weapons, because we don't like them. So just bear that in mind as you go, and I hope you do vote, even if we disagree. Um, but that that is where we're at with this. Here's what I'm putting on the government watch list. You remember this is the last part of our segments now that I've added, which is basically saying what should we watch for going forward when it comes to the government? I would say we should be watching for government overreach. What is the bright line? If you're not familiar with that in debate terms, the bright line is a clear standard or law. Clear standard that says this is it, this is not. So what is the bright line or clear definition of that Congress is using to say, we're going to ban these weapons, but not these. Now, obviously, they outline those, but what's the precedent they've set? Effectively, every member of of Congress here who's voting for this along party lines, so the Democrats, they've said, we want these banned. They've also, when they've been interviewed, said, this is a great first step, but this is like step one of 500. We need to keep pushing. If you allow them, even if you think this is reasonable gun control, or you thought the last one was reasonable gun control, where does it end? If there's not a bright line, I would argue, if we don't have a clear standard, outside of, they're like, all right, we're picking and choosing here, 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 and here, I don't think that they've set a standard, so I would pose to you this argument, they're not going to stop until it's all confiscated. And that will very well get me labeled... As alarmist, but I don't think that it's a far reach to say that this is a slippery slope when they don't have a bright line. The last time I did an episode on gun control, I gave it a f- I think it was a four out and a half out of five because I said that I think that the bipartisan legislation that was proposed was setting restrictions on things on obtaining a firearm. It wasn't on what firearms could be owned. so again, Don't think that I'm being kind of flip-floppy here. I was saying that I thought that that would be more likely to hit the mark that they're striving for because they were trying to filter out people who would be mentally unfit or societally not a great idea for them to be possessing firearms because they're dangerous to themselves or to society versus now the government is saying you can own these, you can't own these, and we have a strict list. Pick from here, not from here. And I think we're in a very different situation when it comes to that here. So that is why I say put your government on the watch list for government overreach. Again, I'll end with this. Remember that our government is of the people, for the people, and by the people, they are not above us. People who are guarding them are going to be able to have whatever weapons they want. People guarding the capital, protecting them from people who would protest or do them harm, as they should be. I think that they should be protected from people who would do them harm. But they're using AR-style weapons. What separates the people who are guarding our politicians from us? Why should you not be able to possess any fire? Why does it need to be restricted? Those are the questions that I would leave you with. And I would say expect service, demand transparency from your government. Go watch that. You might not have 11 hours, and I completely understand that I'm not going to go watch all of it. Maybe put it on the background maybe like keep up with that because this is what they're passing and if you missed it biden just sold another 10 million barrels of our reserve oil to foreign countries including china so yeah just make sure you're holding our government to account all right remember you can find us on spotify apple youtube twitch and google podcasts and you should if you're not already be following us on our social media is at between the liars if you enjoy this show we would greatly appreciate a five-star review and give us a share with your friends pass us along and uh join us in let's see about an hour here hour and a half 9 p.m central time or check the link right here for that follow-up discussion with chris from the alt-left podcast and tj roberts sure you find yourself somewhere between the liars goodbye for now